we're going to come to our reading now. Andy's shortly going to come and, and bring us God's words. And, and our reading tonight uh, is from well, it's two parts. Uh, first part is from Acts chapter one, verses four and five. And then the second part will come just a chapter on uh, in Acts chapter two, uh, verses one to four. And uh, we continue our series in the presence of God, looking at a, a present presence. And uh, here we are in Acts. So firstly, I'll read Acts chapter one, verses four and five. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And then chapter two, verses one to four. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw or what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to, te- to came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in each other's tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, let me just briefly pray for Andy as we reflect on those verses. Father in heaven, we do pray uh, that by your Spirit, uh, we pray we might be encouraged and drawn closer to you as a result. And we pray that uh, your words uh, would really uh, bless each of us. And as we uh, hear your words, strengthen Andy as he speaks to us now. And we pray this all uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks, Andy. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Great. Oh, well, this morning I was in, in Sandersted and uh, there at Sandersted, there's a little church um, Sandersted Church and uh, the uh, the folks there have been actually praying for us over these last months and actually years. So um, I I uh, they all gave me a wave to take back to you. So here's a wave from Sandersted uh, with greetings and love from your brothers and sisters uh, over there. So um, we it's uh, it was great to have fellowship with them. Well, this mo- this evening we are looking at this amazing. Um, theme that Dan has given to us of a present presence and uh, it means a a presence that comes close a presence that comes near and uh, that is our theme for these next uh, 20 minutes we've just been reading from Acts and uh, there in Acts chapter 1 we listened in as Jesus was speaking to his disciples and as he spoke to his disciples and um, he was um, explaining to them what they had to do he gave them a command not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for the gift that the father had promised he says wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This theme, actually, this phrase is at the start of each of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They all start with John the Baptist saying, look, I baptize with water. 
And as he speaks, you could imagine that he's plunging somebody under the water. These people who've come out of Jerusalem and out of the villages, they're longing to live a different kind of life. They want to be ready for what God is going to do. And so John plunges them under the water and lifts them out. And as the water runs off them, they walk to the bank again with this determination that they're going to live a life that is prepared for the coming of the King of Kings. And John says, I'm baptizing with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And everybody would be wondering, is that a good thing? What does that mean? And in fact, two of the Gospels include the extra phrase who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark and Luke add that phrase. Now, fire is something that has um, represented God's presence throughout the Old Testament. And if you were to do a little survey, you could type into your concordance, type in fire and see where it comes up or flaming swords or words associated with fire. And right at the beginning of the story of God's dealing with humanity, and there is fire. In chapter three, the very last verse, there is a heartbreaking verse. Chapter three of Genesis. God has made in verse in chapters one to three, this glorious earth and heavens. He's created perfect humanity, created them to live in relationship with him. And it seems that there's this amazing connection between the God who is the creator and his creatures, humanity, man and woman. But then because men and women decide to reject God's rule, they are sent out of this amazing situation and fire comes. And this fire, it's there's a uh, there's a powerful messenger with a flaming sword. The last verse of chapter three of Genesis, who now prevents these um, people from coming back into that place of connection and fellowship. Why were they thrown away? Why were they cast out? Well, you know, it's because they had rejected God's rule. Wrongness, sin had come and had had entered into that relationship and now prevented humanity from connecting with the God that they were made to know. Really heartbreaking. But a symbol of that broken connection, actually a symbol of the holiness and cleanness of the presence of God was this fire that couldn't be passed through this flaming sword. And if you were to continue your survey, you'd find in Exodus chapter three, verse two, there's a there's a bush on fire, but it's not burning up. Something else is causing the flames and Moses is drawn towards it. And then this voice speaks And he's sent back, told to take off his shoes. He's standing on holy ground. And you can see the the conflict in Moses's heart. He longs to come close. And yet there's the terror of being consumed by this God who is holy and powerful and clean and good and unapproachable. In the desert, Exodus chapter 13, there's a a fire at night that leads the people. It's God's presence. He's distant. He's there. And they follow from far back. On the Mount Sinai in chapter 19 of Exodus, there's this terrifying 
the storm and smoke like smoke from a furnace and uh, and Moses kind of disappears in towards this furnace in chapter 24 and that's where the phrase our God is a consuming fire comes from it echoes into the New Testament too the presence of God over the tabernacle fire there's fire that comes out in judgment on characters who try to raise themselves up against the leaders that God has chosen. Elijah, he says to the prophets of Baal, the God who answers by fire, he's the one who is God. And it's terrifying as he does answer by fire. Psalm chapter 50 verse 3 speaks of a, a fire going before God. You see, Time and time again throughout the Old Testament, there's this imagery of fire that presents God as being holy and clean and powerful and awesome and unapproachable. And whenever the fire comes, we as humanity stand back. We can't come close because he's too good. He would he would burn us up. But then. We hear John the Baptist at the beginning of each of the Gospels and now Jesus in Acts chapter one saying in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as we heard in Luke, Mark and Luke baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire and the disciples it's quite interesting listening into their conversation because in chapter one they gather around and they say is this the point when the politics are going to finally get sorted out? And Jesus doesn't say yes or no, but he just says, look, what's going to happen is you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is verse eight of chapter one. And you will be my witnesses. And he describes Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so now the disciples, are, they're wondering what this means. And it turns out that this conversation is the, the last of the conversations they have with Jesus as he sits in front of them in this mode where he can eat fish and, uh, and walk down the road with them because he's taken to heaven. And then for 10 days, they're left wondering, what does this mean? And they're waiting. And we read about them praying and meeting together, 120 of them in an upper room. And then on the day of Pentecost, and which was an Old Testament feast, um, there are people from all kinds of nations together in the city of Jerusalem. And on this day, as Dan has just read to us, in verse two of chapter two of Acts, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It seems that this great roaring wind coming from heaven, they and that this fire then comes. And it seems that it comes as one enormous fire because it has to then separate, doesn't it? And it goes and we think, oh, our God is a consuming fire. What is going to happen? Surely this is the end for these people. But then 
this fire that represents God's unapproachable, weird thought, holy, glorious presence. Well, this fire comes and burns over each of those sitting in the room. There's 120 of them there. And of course, they wouldn't be able to see their own heads, but they're looking across the room and there's this fire that they know what it means. They know what it represents. And it's burning over all of them. And then verse four of chapter two says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, that the the person of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he comes represented by fire, burns over their heads and then fills and empowers them. And a sign on this occasion of their having been empowered by him is this supernatural gift. As some of them speak in the language of uh, of Turkey, others of them speak in the languages of North Africa, some of them speak in the languages of um, Europe. And the, um, the room breaks into a cacophony of languages. And the message is that this message of a God who comes close, it's not just for the for the Jewish nation. But this message of a God who comes close is for all nations and tribes and languages and peoples. God, the God we're made to know, can come close. Now, those of us who've been reading the Bible over these years, we're scratching our heads and we're saying. Well, how can God come close How can God be a present presence to take the title of our talk? How can God come close when humanity is marked and scarred and marred by our own wrongness and sin? What has happened that would allow God to come close like this? This is what has happened. Jesus has come and he's walked among people like you and me and he's told stories and he's made broken things unbroken he's fed the hungry he's raised the dead and then he himself has gone to the cross at the time of the passover lamb that time when people would slaughter a lamb and consider that lamb as being punished so that they could be free jesus himself the one who is God here, he was killed, killed on a cross. And all the wrongness of Adam and Eve right through history, right up to the wrongness and sin of our lives was put on Jesus. And Jesus suffered the separation, the punishment, the isolation that should have been those sinners punishment so that we could receive his righteousness, his rightness, so that we could receive freedom and forgiveness and life. And because Jesus was the sinless sacrifice, he rose from the dead, conquering death. Death could not have its hold on him. Jesus rose from the dead, proving verifying that he was who he had 
claimed to be the one who is God here, the one who, as John the Baptist said, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So now, as the holy, powerful presence of God comes to these people sitting in this upper room, the 120 of them, each of them, men and women who are trusting that Jesus had died for them. Well, God's Holy Spirit comes and he fills them because they're drawn into that unity of relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And people who had previously been shaking and stuttering, locked inside of rooms, ducking and diving in alleys, trying to keep out of the spotlight. Now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, step forward and speak up to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. And Peter explains at the end uh, of this chapter two, he says that this Jesus, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. God's Spirit can come close. God's presence can become present because Jesus has died for us and Jesus is ascended to the highest place. Jesus is the name above all names, the Lord of Lords, and has the authority to pour out that presence of God, the presence that we all long for and yet at the same time fear because Jesus has taken away our sin, has died on the cross for those who call on his name. And so we can experience a pr the present presence of God as we live in relationship with him through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you need encouragement, then we can read on through Acts and see how these disciples were supernaturally bold and supernaturally clear in their witness as to who Jesus was and what he had done. These were unschooled, ordinary men, as one court later was to put it. And what had happened, though, was that these men and women had been with Jesus. And these men and women continued to be with Jesus because his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, had come close, empowered them, filled them. And they'd been baptized by the Holy Spirit, if you like. No longer just being washed under water with a determination to live a different life, as glorious and good and godly as that is. But these men and women had been washed by the Holy Spirit, poured out on them and empowered by him to live a different life. A live a life for the glory of God. For you and me, this isn't some story we read back there in the old days but this is what God wants for us today to be living in relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And later on in uh, in the history of the church, a, a couple of decades later, Paul is writing and he explains the work of the Holy Spirit in this way. It's very clear that we are only rescued as we um, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. As we call on the name of Jesus, calling on his name causes the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, allowing us to be reborn, renewed. Let me read to you Titus. This is Titus um, chapter three. And it's verse five and six. It's a long sentence. I'll just read you verses five and six. It speaks of the kindness and love of God, our saviour appearing. And it says this. He saved us. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our saviour. You know, as we call on Jesus's name. You know, in the Sunday schools or in the in the younger groups, some people might say Jesus lives in my heart. That's exactly what he does. And he does that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the language of Titus is this, that God has saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This picture of rebirth and renewal as the Holy Spirit washes and cleans us and makes it possible for us to live in relationship with God. This Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So what does that mean for this week? How does that change things? Well, there's been a thirst in the heart of every man and woman and child since that chapter three of Genesis, a longing to live in relationship with the God who is there. And yet a fear that what if I were to turn towards him, what's going to happen if I were ever to encounter his pre uh, his presence? Well, here we're finding and we're hearing that because of Jesus, we can encounter that presence that we thirst for, that presence that we long for. And we can encounter him because Jesus has died and made it possible for us to receive the promised Holy Spirit, to be living by his power, to be living in the presence of God day by day, knowing his peace and his power and his presence because of the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ. So tonight, as you perhaps some of us are living alone and perhaps some of us are separated from people we would love to be with. And perhaps some of us would have loved to be at 181 this morning and we couldn't because we're shielding or we're caring for others. But the ultimate relationship is that relationship we're made for, a relationship with the God of heaven, the God who has come close through the person of Jesus and whose presence we can know day by day. And as we lie down on our pillow tonight, we can have that certainty of his presence with us because of the Holy Spirit who fills us as we trust in Jesus.
tomorrow morning perhaps as we begin our day we want to come thirsting to god's word to open it to ask that by the holy spirit he would speak to us as we read we want him to be um, ordering our lives to be orienting our lives around him and his purposes that as we launch into the week and into the day tomorrow that we would be his witnesses not by our power but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God who fills us and who is with us as we continue to put our trust in Jesus. You know, in a moment, we're going to share bread and wine. It's a really physical thing to do. You know, we take the bread and we break it and we eat it. And it's representing our reliance on Jesus. And we take the wine and we drink it because his blood changes everything. And as we do this together in this strange medium of, of using Zoom, let's pray that the Holy Spirit would move among us. Show us again what Jesus has done, that he would be moving among us to continue that renewal, to show to us that rebirth that he's bought by that holy by the Holy Spirit who's been poured out. Uh, on us. I'm going to pray and then Dan is going to to lead us on. So uh, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can share these moments on Zoom. Thank you that we could read this passage, that we could listen in to the anticipation and the confusion of those disciples as they try to get their heads around what you could possibly mean, that they would be baptised by the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way that throughout history you have slowly taught us how you are good and awesome and clean and powerful, how we have no right to approach you. And yet we thirst to come close. And now, though, after your death and resurrection and ascension, we realise that we can come close because your death has brought cleansing and renewal. And as you pour out your Holy Spirit on us, you bring renewal and rebirth. And we pray that as we head into this week, as we lay down tonight, we would have the peace of the knowledge of your presence with us by your Holy Spirit. We pray that as we get up tomorrow, as we open your word, that we would hear your voice speaking through your word as your Holy Spirit ministers to us because of our personal relationship with you through the Holy Spirit that you have who you have poured out on us. And as we seek to be your witnesses into tomorrow and the week ahead, Lord, we pray that we would not be relying on our own skill, but rather we would be relying on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, his presence with us, your presence with us as we press into this week. We worship you together this evening and we ask you to lead us now as we share this bread and wine together. Amen.